Hi, I'm Brian Landau, and you're listening to The Drip, a podcast about how to caffeinate your campaigns. Today, I'm joined by Christine Woodhouse. Christine is the Director of Internal Communications at Cox Communications, and we talk about the role that internal communications can play in helping team members feel connected to the mission of the organization and how to best identify and tell employees' stories. Ah, the intranet. Many businesses have them. Some even have intranets for their intranets. They're divided by region or department or by language. Some content lives here, some content lives there. In my experience, intranets work best when there's a repeatable behavior to the content that is posted there. Haphazard sharing of content to the intranet doesn't foster engagement. It just becomes another task for the employees to check off as they move throughout the course of their day. It's a lesson that many podcasters have learned along the way. In order to drive engagement and growth on a podcast, you have to be consistent in your publishing schedule. This podcast publishes on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Some might publish once a week on Tuesday or once a month on the first Thursday of the month. The volume of content that gets created is less important than the consistency. Strong marketers use social media and email and pre-pandemic events were a big part in how to bridge episodes and maintain momentum between the content. Maintaining an internet and coming up with compelling content to publish consistently is a hard, hard job. Writing articles and creating produced videos are a lot of effort and it can be an expensive process. Creating an internal podcast offers a few benefits to those that consider internet engagement. For starters, podcasts are super scalable. You can record at home using very affordable equipment and production is quick and easy. Because of its scalability, audio offers an ability to elevate many voices from within the organization in a deeper, more conversational way. If you measure time spent on your intranet, a 15-minute episode embedded there will do wonder for your metrics. And finally, think about the podcast not just as a podcast, but as a show. It's a show that has original IP, like show art and a music bed. And this show publishes at a certain time every week or every month. Your colleagues will love creating the content, and your listeners will appreciate listening to these stories in a consistent and engaging way. Questions about how audio can play a role in how you communicate internally at your business? Email me at brian at venly.co. That's brian, B-R-I-A-N, at venly, V-E-N-N-L-Y, dot C-O. And now, the great Christine Woodhouse. Hi, Christine. Hello, Brian. Christine Woodhouse is the Director of Internal Business Communications at Cox Communications, the third largest cable provider in the United States. She leads a team in developing and implementing communication strategies for the mega functions, including customer care, field operations, sales, and technology. Christine works closely with functional leaders from C-suite to line managers to ensure employees are engaged and aligned with the company priorities. Prior to Cox, Christine spent seven years as a digital communication manager at the Coca-Cola company. She was also a senior copywriter at Troutman Sanders, which is one of the largest law firms in the Southeast, and at Simon & Schuster's Children's Publishing Division, among several other stops. Christine is a graduate of Syracuse University's Newhouse School of Public Communications and has spent much of the last year, like many of us, watching TV, listening to podcasts, reading, running, and swimming, but unlike many of us, I think also embroidering. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Christine. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. So what's a week in the life like for you? What are some of the responsibilities? We, we just spoke that you have to communicate with many different functions within the company. What are some of the tasks that you're responsible for? 
you know, when, uh, when I thought about this, uh, the one number one thing I do a lot of on a daily basis is listening. So I'm in a lot of meetings and I'm listening so that I can pick up on what stories are out there that need telling, what messages are not getting through or could use some reinforcement. So what that looks like is sitting in chief technology officers staff meeting every week, getting you know updates on the inner workings of uh, the progress they're making, as well as ch- uh, periodic check-ins with my team. So with the broader internal comms team, all right, what are our priorities this week? What is anything big happening that we all need to be aware of? Everybody, you know, mind any messages you're sending on Wednesday, be careful, you know, we've got something coming out, um, as well as then my smaller team and what we're focused on achieving. So a lot of, um, meetings, individual coaching, one-on-one sessions, and mainly all that time I'm doing a lot of listening. Yeah, I mean, I think when when people think of internal comms, they, they frequently think about executive messaging and a lot of top-down type of memos. But in addition to the listening, right, like, like you are helping people feel connected to the mission and the purpose of the organization. What are some of the practical ways that you work towards that end? You, you know, luckily we... Uh, our leaders do that naturally. So it, it comes in a lot of different forms, but one is just leaders audibly reinforcing the value of employees work. And I think probably doing even more of that lately. So we recently had an all hands meeting and the, you know, basically company owner um, of our parent company, Alex Taylor, um, joined and he culminated his remarks by saying, each of you can make a difference. You're part of a team. Uh, and he, he referenced his uh, kind of vision and mission, his purpose statement, which is doing the right thing, doing the right thing always for our customers and communities. So reinforcing their part of that bigger team and that the largest expansion of freedom and expression is thanks to your work. So in that case, he's talking about the internet, you know, we are building out this network to always try and make sure our customers have the speeds and capacity they need. And that can be tied back to just anyone who has an idea sharing it on this open forum. Um, So that's a a nice one that I don't have to work too hard on because they they do that pretty well, the senior leaders, but my team's really focused on telling stories and doing that in a way that we're communicating through employee voices. So finding an employee who's uh, already kind of internalized some, some message we're trying to get out there. And so instead of us saying, here's the new brand behaviors and you should you know, always start with a warm greeting you know, for customer care, for example. Instead of that, we would have this standout rock star customer care agent share in her own voice what it means to her to take care of customers and how she does that in such a successful way. You know, we, we, we try to use those employee voices as much as possible because it's, it's the most authentic and relatable way to, to do it. Yeah, but this, this is probably easier said than done, right? There's 18,000 employees at Cox Communications. How do you identify these people and how, how do you highlight their stories? And what are some of the content formats that you use to tell those stories? Well, you know, some of them naturally come to us um, 
you know, just through, again, meetings, people talking about, um, oh my gosh, a customer wrote in a letter, um, several customers wrote in letters about this one employee in a retail store or at at the call center. Um, In other cases, we, in in probably most cases, we start at the beginning of, okay, what's the key message we're trying to get across? So what's the strategic business imperative? Now, um, let's say it's about, the uh, making the plan. So making our numbers. All right. That means we want to feature somebody who's probably in sales, someone who's closest to the work. So we don't need to feature a sales executive. We need a frontline person who's going to be super relatable. Um, And then of course, we're always trying to represent the diversity of our employees. So um, looking for some diversity there and then going through local leaders. So, all right, we know we've got sales agents everywhere in some form or fashion. So reaching out to sales VPs and and having them tell us who's going to be, you know, great, personable, high performer, in good standing, and then we go from there. And if it's a video, we'll do interviews with multiple candidates in order to figure out who's going to be show up best. Um, Some people sound great, and then you get them in front of a camera and they freeze up or they're just not natural. So Um, we have a day in the life video series that's super successful. It's also high, high production and expensive. So we don't do a lot of those, but in that case, you know, that's how we source them in. And we end up with this fantastic kind of montage narrated video that gives you insight, not only into the person's job, but who they are as a person and what their passion and values are. And uh, so that's, that's sort of on the high end. And then um, the up close and personal is sounds kind of similar. This is an article series that someone on my team came up with one day, it was just like, you know what, this is a real simple way to get to know somebody and reveal how they, again, going back to the example of a customer care agent, how does he or she internalize the expectations and, um, you know, performance metrics, how, how does she internalize what she's trying to do and how does she share that with her colleagues? So just asking a series of questions. So nice short Q&A and it also involves getting to know them and it's way more effective than us trying to kind of just dictate here are the expectations and here's a list of people doing them. You know, it just, it works so much better when it's in their words. A lot of these initiatives are clearly there's a use case for building community, but what's the business case to telling these stories internally? I know that you feel like this form of strategic internal communications drives the bottom line, but how do you measure that? What are you benchmarking against? Oh, we're all over this. Um, So we, you know, it has evolved over the years and it can, communications can be a tough thing to measure, especially effectiveness. Like, okay, well, I can say, I can see that um, 88% of people opened that email. Well, how do I know they really read it? What, what kind of impact did it make? So over time, we've partnered with Gartner because they've got this methodology, they've got benchmarks, best practices, and they have basically boiled it down to a science of measuring how internal communications drives employee performance. And that's a proxy for business results. So if your employees are performing, your your business results are good. So there's three uh, focus areas that drive that. So understanding goals and connection to work is one of them. 
ability to get support and then commitment to coworkers. And basically what that translates to is, okay, the understanding goals and connection to work, that's what I've been talking about. That's how we try to have employee voices translate our strategy and talk about, you know, this is how I feel connected, how I drive the business forward. And then ability to get support is more of the operational day-to-day stuff. Like that's the kind of communications that help an employee know what what they need to do their job. So if I'm in sales, I need to know the latest, you know, offer on a three product bundle and, you know, we're advertising this in this market and not over here, whatever the case may be. That's very operational and we, we don't get involved in that. Um, there's a whole team that does that. Um, and then commitment to coworkers is, is engagement. And that, we're really lucky at Cox. We have very high engagement scores because of, a, I think, a really great culture and fantastic benefits. So we don't have to work too hard at that one either. We just continue to make sure employees are aware of those things. And of course, during the last year, we've had to reinforce, um, hey, did you know, and and sort of promote new benefits that we've made available to help people cope in these very strange times. But anyway, all of those things can be measured. And we do that in a number of ways. We survey after employee meetings, and we ask questions designed to get at this um, exact area. So we ask after attending this meeting, do you, uh, I have a clearer understanding of our company's performance on key metrics, or I'm better equipped to talk about what makes Cox competitive, et cetera. So we have questions designed to get at um, that understanding of goals and connection to work. Um, So we survey after meetings, any kind of major employee meeting or function meeting. And then we do an annual, may become a semi-annual survey, just national communication survey. And we've got some strategic questions on there. So we're making sure employees understand the focus areas of the company, their connection to it, and, and we ask some engagement questions as well. So we measure all those things and then we figure out, okay, where do we stand, uh, you know, generally perform really well. We also use an employee opinion survey. So Uh, the HR department runs that and there's usually enough questions that we can supplement. So we're never relying on one source of data. We also look at engagement with our um, online content. So we have an internal, an intranet and we're not only measuring how many views does an article or a page get, we have a whole engagement index score that we use to measure kind of compare apples to apples. So it's a whole equation that you plug in, how many views did the article get? um, How many comments, likes, and shares did it get? So that, and each of those things is weighted slightly different and then it's divided by the intended audience. So not everything is um, published uh, outright to all employees. So you might not divide it all by 18,000. Maybe it's just for product and technology. So it's a different denominator. So anyway, lots of different ways um, so that, again, we're not relying on one source of data and we can look across to see how are we doing? Are we improving or not? And and then adjust from there. Can you talk a little bit about the intranet that you all have? Because it, it is a little bit different from how I've seen it structured at other companies. You have different regions responsible for different sections of the intranet and they manage their own experiences, if I'm not mistaken. Sort of, yes. And so this is something I'm sure many companies have to 
navigate, which is the matrix environment. So we have, of course, uh, everyone who's in marketing and sales reports up to the chief marketing and sales officer who is based in Atlanta. Now, sales especially is dispersed across the country. And in each of those regions, there's a local leader. And they, sales employees and care employees and operations, you know, they don't all report into the local leader. They usually report into someone else, but those local leaders have uh, important messages to share as and uh, an important role in maintaining the culture and business, et cetera. So we have kind of the national content on your homepage based on see, we have a top row that's all national stories. And then the second row of stories that you see is based on your location. So those are decided by the region PA leaders. So our fellow communicators who are embedded in each region. And they in turn have their own pages, let's say for California, where they're talking about things that matter if you live and work in California. Uh, and that can be anything from, you know, this su such and such office is having a blood drive to opportunities to volunteer, benefits, things, things that might vary slightly by location. So it's a chance for them to communicate about things that are important locally, but not part of the national picture. You mentioned a couple of the examples of content series that you're doing. Is there one in particular that you're super proud of? Has there been a miss along the way that maybe you can speak to? You know, I I think I'm most proud of the Up Close and Personal series because it's they have driven such high engagement and the investment is so minimal compared to other things that we've tried. So, you know, we've tried podcasts, we've tried, as I mentioned, you know, high budget, big production video series that we can afford to do three, only three a year. They're, you know, it's so pricey. And the, the up close and personal articles are just, you know, I shouldn't say they're easy, but they're pretty simple formula and it, the numbers don't lie. It's very popular. And I, I love it because it's simple and it gets right to what matters to people, which is other people. Um, I don't, I don't know that I'd say we'd have a miss. There's things that have run their course. So we used to have, uh, again, sort of a high production, little bit more of a scripted hosted branded, um, video series. And it was, um, it had the same host every time and it would feature her interviewing one or two very high level executives. So you had chief of this or that or senior vice presidents being interviewed and uh we tried not to have it be scripted sometimes there there might be um monitors for them but you know it just it was very formal and over time and we had a studio where we could shoot that with a green screen and everything it just and it was nice um a great way to get more personal way than an email to to share a message with employees but it just, it didn't seem, it didn't fit after a while. And, and, you know, we've evolved all the way to the CEO and president coming out of a board meeting and shooting uh, a quick message, video message on his iPhone. And then that went out to all employees just saying, I just want you guys to know how proud I am. You've done a great job. I was so proud to present to the board on our results, et cetera. So 
we've realized we don't have to go so high production and we also don't need to always focus on the most senior leadership. It's, it's really important to tell stories through the voices of employees who are, we like to say, closest to the work. I'm going to get you out on this one. Okay. This is not a political question. I promise okay. you. Cox Communications is based in Atlanta. Yeah. It was just a few months ago <laughs> that the entire world had its eyes on the state of Georgia in what was one of the most polarizing, contentious, fraught moments in recent American history. How did you manage the employee's stress and anxiety? Because I think we frequently bring our political identities with us as we go about our days. Uh, and that's just amplified that much more uh, today. How did you think about giving people space to acknowledge the moment, to potentially grieve and celebrate, but also to create an unburdened space for them to go and do their work? You know, I would say it's kind of twofold. Over the summer with civil unrest and definitely plenty of uh, public demonstrations in Atlanta, we just started to have a lot of conversations. We held a whole series of meetings. So some leaders organized panel discussions, uh, company-wide, we held listening sessions. And this, this is more uh, about what things were like over the summer with civil unrest and just acknowledging what was happening and giving employees a chance to talk openly about how they were feeling. Uh, so not everybody's going to respond to in a big meeting setting. Um, others needed one-on-one -on -one conversation. So I think just every leader in the company tried to reach out and have those conversations, have smaller team meetings, check in on how people are feeling. Uh, we, as a communications team, it's, I mean, it's delicate. We, we just, especially when you think about the election, we just tried to go back to our company values and reinforce what we do stand for. We uh, reminded employees about benefits, like now more than ever, please take advantage of free access to meditation apps, um, telehealth care, mental health care options, which I'm, you know, I'm not normally about touting health, you know, HR benefits, but it was a way to remind people it's okay to take a break. So we're all, you know, have work and home is the same place these days. So for, for many of us, not everyone, but um, reminding them it's okay to take a break and go take a walk, do what you need to do. And, but it also meant having sometimes difficult conversations. You know, you can't, um, you know, in some cases, you'd have to say, well, you can't have a MAGA hat on, uh, on that video call. So you can't have anything political showing on a video call. Um, but that means no Black Lives Matter posters either. So you just got to kind of not advertise that. And that's tough. Because like you said, people, some, some people bring their political identities to work with them. And, it, and it's, I have a hard time trying to navigate that in terms of, okay, if this is our values and we we're saying do the right thing always, well, okay, I guess I can't assume what that means in specific situations. So it's, it's tough. I don't envy you. <laughs> <laughs> Christine, thank you so much for being with me today. It means a great deal. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Christine, thank you again for your time and your wisdom today. If you like today's episode, you will love the next conversation with David Ward. David is the Director of Public Affairs at the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, with David Ward.